a number of sources, including from the security forces, who told us uh, very clearly that the protests and attacks on August 7th were, quote, all theater, and that the goal was to, is to create chaos everywhere. Hey, and welcome to the Congo Research Group podcast. My name is Jason Stearns. I'm the director of the Congo Research Group. Today, recording from a busy and noisy JFK airport in New York City. The Congo Research Group is a nonprofit institution, research group based at New York University, focusing on conflict dynamics in Central Africa. You can give us feedback anytime at our website, www.congoresearchgroup.org, uh, or tweet us at GEC underscore CRG. Or send us an email at info at congoresearchgroup.org. We always look forward to hearing back from you and getting suggestions about who to interview and things that we've missed in our podcasts. So enjoy. Okay, welcome everybody. Um, in my effort to be the least high-tech podcast on the internet, I am sitting on the floor at JFK Airport as we conduct this interview, so there's be some background noise, um, but I am joined by... Ida Sawyer, the Central Africa Director for Human Rights Watch and our frequent podcast invitee. Hello, Ida. Hi, Jason. I'm assuming you're in Brussels, is that correct? Yes, I am. So we are going to do a quick and dirty podcast this week because I'm about to rush off to an airplane and Ida's about to rush off to, to some meetings. But it was, I think, important to touch base because there's been a lot going on. And um, so I wanted to discuss... The, both the demonstrations that have been happening in Kinshasa, the attacks that have been happening in Kinshasa and across the country, as well as the launch yesterday of this new manifest um, uh, that could possibly augur a new uh, phase in opposition to the Kabila government. So, so I, why don't we start with some of the protests that have been happening? There were a series of different kinds of protest actions, the 31st of July there was one that was launched by the CASC, the Collective, uh, that is led by, amongst others, by Lucha, that was supposed to be a demonstration across many towns in the Congo. You guys put out a, a statement on that saying that many demonstrators were arrested. Can you, can you describe a little bit what happened on the 31st of July? Yeah, so these were protests organized by the, the CASC, the Coalition of Action Civil Society Organizations, which includes Lucha, as well as a number of other human rights organizations and Dr. Mukwege's uh, coalition as well, or his movement. And they called for nationwide protests um, about you know, pushing for elections to be held by the end of the year. This was the date when the uh, the register for the voter list should have been completed, and it, of course, was not. So that was the impetus for calling these protests. And what we saw was that security forces, as they have before many other protests, deployed heavily across the country, especially in big cities, in advance of the planned protest uh, in what seems to be an attempt to intimidate people, prevent them from going out on the streets. And then there were scores of arrests, including some of the organizers who were arrested uh, before the protest started or while they were planning to go to the protest. We documented that at least 128 people were arrested in nine cities across the country, uh, including in Goma, Kinshasa, Butembo, Beni, Lubumbashi, Bandaka, Kasindi, Bukavu, and Kindu. Uh, and among those who were arrested were a number of 
leading human rights activists, including uh, Timote Mbuya from Justicia and Lubumbashi, members of Lucha, uh, a number of journalists were arrested, and others who just were planning to, to go out to the protest. Uh, some of them have since been released, but many still remain in detention. And we also documented how security forces used tear casts to disperse protesters in Butembo, Goma, and Bukavu. And in Bukavu, they also fired live bullets onto the protesters, and several were wounded. You say 128 were arrested. From talking to people in Kinshasa, there weren't much more than several hundred people in the streets, at least in Kinshasa. Is that is that correct? How big were these demonstrations? Yeah, no, I don't think any of the demonstrations across the country were, were huge. You know, we weren't seeing thousands of people on the street. It was more uh, scores or possibly hundreds in some areas. Uh, I think what was maybe you know, new or, or impressive, you could say, and for the, for the demonstrations that day is that there was you know, the mobilization in really across the country in many, many cities. And this wasn't something just in Goma or just in Kinshasa, uh, but across the country. Uh, but yes, the, the numbers weren't huge. And I think they haven't yet uh, been able to you know, put thousands or tens of thousands of people out in the streets. It's really strange. You know, you see a lot of the um, a lot of the focus and the arrests are on these social movement organizations. So not the political parties necessarily, but they've been really targeting, despite the fact that Lucha and others have not been able to get thousands or tens of thousands in the streets. They've been really, really targeting these organizations. Jeff, do you know why? I mean, why aren't they why aren't they targeting? I mean, I know they've been targeting political parties as well, but it seems like they're even more intent on they see these youth organizations as more of a threat. Uh, I think that's true to a degree, and they, they do. They just want to try to stop stop the mobilization from happening. And I think they think arresting uh, arresting the activists, the people who are trying to mobilize, trying to encourage others to go out on the streets, is you know, a way to to stop that mobilization from happening, make others scared to follow them. But I would push back a bit. We have also documented a lot of arrests, especially in Kinshasa, of UDPS members and a lot of disappearances. Um, we also put out a statement on this uh, and about how you know, a group of 15 mostly UDPS supporters were presented during an official ceremony in Kinshasa uh, in uh, early August, I believe, and they were accused of uh, being responsible for sort of numerous attacks, violence that's been happening in Kinshasa, including the attack on the Kinshasa market and the attack on the prison. And most of the people they presented were UDPS supporters, including some of the UDPS student leaders. And you know, many of them were people who you know, we'd documented their cases and their families had told us that their, their children or brothers had uh, disappeared and they didn't know where they were being held. And then they sort of showed up being presented and being accused with really no evidence that we've seen so far. Uh, but they're being blamed for these uh, violent attacks in Kinshasa. How is, so that brings us then to the second, the second piece of the mobilization of the 31st of July um, demonstrations that were small but heavily repressed. You had seven, on the 7th of August, if I'm getting my dates correct, you had this bizarre uh, demonstration by Bumbudia Congo activists. This is sort of a the latest in a series of, of let's say, more, um, less less peaceful demonstrations, although they certainly were violently repressed, but Bundudia Congo has also been 
talking more militaristic language. There's been, is it fair to say that this is, there is an increased, at least some parts of the opposition to Kabila are considering more forceful actions against Kabila or the, 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 the other theory behind this is that this is a conspiracy by the government to justify protests and repression, which is perhaps what you were hinting to there with the fact that the UDPS were arrested, even though they weren't really involved in these, in these attacks that you mentioned. Yeah, I think up until now, I think there's still really a lot of confusion surrounding what happened on August 7th. And, you know, I think that it could be a mix of both where there's a manipulation of the leadership of the Bundidio Congo movement or those who are calling for these protests, but then you know, possibly others follow and would be willing to engage in more violent protests. Uh, but basically, you know, what, what happened on the 7th, uh, you had Bundidio Congo supporters, uh, or alleged supporters wearing red bandanas, holding sticks and palm nut husks, marching along the main roads of Kinshasa and in a number of towns in Congo Central province. And they chanted, uh, chanted slogans hostile to Kabila. Um, and also some, you know, messages that seem pretty xenophobic, uh, calling, you know, Congo for Congolese, Rwanda for Rwandans, uh, Hippolyte Kanambe, Elias Kabila and his brothers get out, uh, Kabila, you know, calling on Kabila and Rwandans to leave Congo. Uh, so that was kind of the message that these Bundedio Congo supporters were, uh, were delivering during the, the protest and marches that they organized. Um, and then they did result in, in a degree of violence. We documented that at least 27 people were killed, uh, both in Kinshasa and in Congo Central. Uh, and it was a mix. Some were, uh, killed by security forces who fired on the demonstrators, and then some of the victims appeared to have just been bystanders who weren't at all involved in the marches or protests, but were uh, shot dead by the security forces. And then there were uh, a couple security force officers who were killed by the protesters. Uh, but what really uh, solicited a lot of suspicion on um, what happened there is that in with a number of the groups of protesters in Kinshasa, as well as in some of the cities in Congo Central, security forces were accompanying the protesters and in some places actually leading the protesters and made no effort to block or stop the protest. And this is, of course, you know, in, in complete contrast to what happened on July 31st, where there was a lot of effort in advance to try to stop the protest from going forward. Uh, and this wasn't uh, unexpected. Nemanda Semi, the Bundedio Congo leader, had uh, issued a, a video statement, uh, a video message uh, uh, several weeks earlier calling for this protest to happen on August 7th. So it wasn't a surprise that this was planned. Um, and we've actually now spoken to a number of sources, including from the security forces, who told us uh, very clearly that the protests and attacks on August 7th were, quote, all theater and that the goal was to, is to create chaos everywhere. Uh, and they said that some soldiers were mixed in with the real Bundudia Congo supporters and that security forces had been given instructions to give free passage to the demonstrators. And according to some of these sources, this is a part of an sort of manipulation attempt by the government or security forces to 
use the pretext of the BDK movement to create a militia that the government can then attack. And some have compared it to what's happening in the Kasais, and now they're trying to move a new theater of violence to Congo Central. So this brings us to uh, this brings us perhaps to the final point I wanted to address with you today. I'm going to skip over briefly the August 8th Vilmocht, which was uh, an or you know, which is the third sort of aspect of the violence, the recent violence in Kinshasa. The Vilmocht, I guess, was the opposition's uh, effort to um, just ask everybody to stay at home, and I think that was relatively successful. But then again, not really a, a huge threat to the government having people stay at home. It's not nearly as much as a threat as having people come out into the streets. But the issue you just mentioned now, the uh, the issue about, and I'm just going through this because we're running out of time, but the issue you mentioned now about a deliberate strategy to create chaos is something also that was mentioned in this manifest that was published yesterday that uh, potentially marks, uh, I think, a new phase in uh, opposition to Kabila, a new phase for several reasons, one, because of that language, but also because the explicit demand of the manifest is for Kabila to step down as of now. And so this is no longer the focus on elections, is now the explicit focus of opposition mobilization is for Kabila to step down. And I know you've been you've been following this closely. What do you what do you do you think I'm I'm right in saying this is an, a new phase, this is a, a turning point in, in opposition? What is what is this manifest? What are they trying to do? what's your what's your feeling about this? Yeah, I think it I think this does represent possibly a new phase. I mean it all depends on what sort of uh, support it gets going forward. Uh, but it's definitely uh, ch- changing the demand of at least the, the citizens' movements and civil society organizations who participated in this meeting in, in Paris earlier this week and presented their manifest yesterday. And as you said, it makes the clear call for Kabila to step down and for a transition to be organized without Kabila in order to uh, organize, you know, good, credible elections and where basic rights are respected and ideally create a new, you know, lead to a new system of government. And they make the case in the manifest that Kabila has violated the country's constitution by using, quote, force and financial corruption to stay in power and entrench his regime of what they say, depredation, pulverization, and the pillaging of the country's resources for the benefit of himself and his family and his allies. Um, and it states that Kabila and a group of individuals have deliberately refused to organize elections, both in defiance of the Constitution and the uh, New Year's Eve agreement, the Catholic Church-mediated power-sharing arrangement, which called for elections to be held by the end of this year. And it also states, as you mentioned, that uh, in as part of the efforts to stay, entrench the stay in power, not organize elections. They've created these zones of insecurity and violence across the country uh, as part of the broader effort to delay elections and, quote, use terror as their uh, preferred method of government. So because of all of this, they then are calling on Congolese to uh, basically apply Article 64 of the Constitution and use peaceful and nonviolent means to uh, to get Kabila to to leave power. And then it calls for what they what they call a citizens transition uh, to organize elections and which would be led by leaders who would not be candidates in the future elections and who would be appointed after national consultations. So they've called on all Congolese, you know, from political parties, from uh, bishops, uh, 
students, all walks of life to, to adhere to this manifest. And they've also worked on a, on an action plan of peaceful mobilization that they're, uh, planning for, I guess, the, the coming, coming weeks. Um, so, so it is, it is launching something new, but I think it all, you know, what, what happens from here depends on, on the follow up. Right. So who, who's taking you? There's, I think, 40 different organizations, if I read correctly. There's a lot of different civil society organizations, uh, youth movements. Lucha and Filimbi are both there. Is, who are, you think the, how well represented is, is everybody basically, is anybody in this? Is this a small thing? Is this a big thing? Is the Catholic Church was mentioned? Are they, are they explicitly involved or not? And, and, and what's Sindica Docolo's involvement in this? Because he at least is associated with this as well. Yeah. So I think it's, it's pretty, they had pretty broad representation of, uh, I guess non, non political, uh, actors and leaders. Uh, there were, representatives from Filimbi and Lucha and Cask, uh, and then Le Congole Debut, which is Sindica Docolo's new movement, uh, and the, the, the leading Congolese human rights organizations were also present, including Akaj, Asado, Ierdeash, uh, Aieta was there, the Elections Observation Organization. There were a number of so-called engaged journalists, um, and then there were representatives from the Catholic Church, uh, so they weren't you know, at the members of Senko, they weren't bishops, but they were uh, from the Catholic Church's uh, Justice and Peace Commission, I believe, and uh, the lay organization uh, representing the Catholic Church. And then there were also some whistleblower bankers and others from the diaspora. So it was a pretty broad representation, I would say. Okay, so this is my, my final question. Um, is this going to change anything? I mean, until now... It's been difficult for people in the Congo to put pressure on Kabila. You've had the several places where pressure have come from have been from Western donors, obviously, through sanctions and diplomatic pressure. Um, Congolese political elites, in terms of alliances, the political opposition and NGOs, in terms of their statements. But there has been, they haven't been terribly successful in rallying people in the streets. And so this is another coalition, we've seen several others, of Congolese political elites, opposition members, civil society members. Now you have Sindika Dokolo, who is the husband of the richest woman in Africa and the daughter of the current president of Angola. Uh, and so obviously an important figure and a, uh, a well-resourced figure as well. But how is this going to address some of the fundamental problems that the Congolese opposition to Kabila has seen in the past in terms of their own fragmentation and their inability to get people into the streets? So I think I would say a few things. One, they would argue the participants at this meeting this week would say they aren't creating a new coalition. This isn't a repeat of the Fonds Citoyenne or Genval, but it's more uh, the focus was on getting this the, the manifest out, which uh, puts clearly on the table this idea of Kabila needing to step down in a transition without Kabila and trying to get as many Congolese as possible to adhere to this basic idea. And then the details of that, they would hope, would be worked out uh, as soon as possible so that you could, in theory, have a, a clear path forward if Kabila steps down by the end of December. And then you know in advance how the transition would be managed to lead to elections. And I think that 
potentially addresses uh, some of the the weaknesses of past mobilization, including you know, at the end of last year, there were you know, lots of calls. Kabila needs to step down. Uh, no, no, small. And the December nineteenth, Kabila needs to go. But there wasn't consensus or real clarity on what would happen after. And if Kabila steps down, then what would Kengo as the president of the Senate come in and lead during a transition, or would you have some other transitional leader, or would there just be total chaos and possibly a military takeover, coup d'état? Um, and you know, that, of course, comes with uh, many scary scenarios that can follow. So I think the, the hope here is that you start to build enough momentum and get enough actors on board to support the idea of a transition without Kabila to lead to good elections um, in advance of the end of December. And then hopefully the they would say the regional leaders and the international community could uh, support that, you know, moving forward with that transition process or the consultations that would happen to determine how the transition would be managed. Uh, but I think, I think it's, it seems pretty clear that the region and the international community are unlikely to uh, put too much additional pressure uh, on unless there's more mobilization at the national level by Congolese. So will this work? Will there be more mobilization? I think that remains to be seen. They're hoping that this uh, manifest will help lead to be- better at least coordination among the various actors including among the different citizens' movements, but then also not creating a coalition with, but at least uh, coordinating with the opposition parties and focusing on joint actions uh, that they would hope would be more more successful. Uh, But we'll we'll see if they're able to pull, pull, pull that off or not. All right. Well, we're out of time, but Ida, thanks uh, as always very much for your analysis. Uh, Keep safe and uh, join us again sometime soon. Great. Thanks, Jason. Thank you.